0: Well paid in.
1: I'm very good. Thank you very much. Sitting here on a Sunday evening with my orange squash again. Check me <laughs> out.
0: I am trying to minimise the amount of Coke I've, I'm, I'm to drink because recently I've been on a little holiday and I seem to consume quite a lot of Coke um, on other brands on holiday. So I, I had my first day without Coke today and I had a splitting headache. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, this it's is like quite, a Coke hangover. This is quite interesting because I decided to completely, pretty much cut out coffee from last Monday. Um, I just because I love coffee, but I know I drink too much. I mean, I literally drink way, way too much of it. So I thought, right, I'm going to do this. And, and wow, the first day. Like Headaches. when I when I got to about two, about three o'clock in the afternoon at work, I mean I li- I had the sweats. It was bad. <laughs> it, the, I had a headache, <laughs> like you say. But wow. wow. So, but it's going well. I've, I mean, Good. I haven't. I'm not feel better. I do feel better. Definitely. I'm trying to replace it with green tea and stuff like that Green tea oh gosh you're
0: going seriously why don't you go for decaf coffee instead
1: well i know i could do that <laughs> but, but the thing is what i'm worried about is that i will kind of feel that's i that too easy you're challenging yeah, it yourself kind of too easy but I, I mm, sh- maybe i shouldn't be okay. too hard myself like i'll i that will just feel like i'm still drinking coffee i, I prefer just to get rid of it completely the and, tense, and then right. get to the point where you know, i just have one really nice coffee maybe in the mm. morning and that's it. That's what i gets to get
0: to. Cool. And you were a birthday boy as well recently.
1: Uh, yes, I yes. I was a birthday boy. Took a little road trip with the kiddos to Bristol and Bath, which was very good fun. Say so no more about that. My age, <laughs> that is. Uh, and, but so apart from, yeah, entertaining children over the tail end of the summer holidays, I haven't watched any films apart from those that we're reviewing. So what about you? I, I've
0: watched quite a few, but before we go on to that, this is our 64th episode. It is. Can you believe it? I, <laughs> my really. goodness, where has that time gone?
1: I know. Um, um, actually, last time, I think we kind of sailed past 60 without even mentioning yeah. it. Uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing.
0: That's, uh, how many films is that then? So two per, per week, so you work it out. <laughs> That is 136. Uh, I'm not gonna go into my maths, my maths is rubbish. I good job, I'm good. no longer doing GCC or A level maths. <laughs> so, no, so
1: no yeah. what we're talking about, it's sorry, it's 100 and, uh, 20. 128,
0: isn't it? Is it? Is yes, it? you're right. Yeah. Yes, you're right. 128. I was out you're the right.
1: first time. <gasps> I know,
0: anyway. So, um, yeah, Films-wise, I think you mentioned these last time. Uh, I've watched 13 Lives on uh, Amazon Prime and directed by Ron Howard, got Colin Farrell, Viggo Mortensen, Joel Egerton in it, who saved 12 kids. I think it was the 12 and then The Coach, meaning 13 in all. In a cave during an, an early monsoon in Thailand, so um, I watched that last night actually and I really enjoyed it actually I normally I because it's quite a long film it's about two hours thirty. I'd normally split it up over two nights, but because I found it quite engaging I just I just watched it all the way through so uh, I think some of the acting was a bit mm, with trying to get used to Colin Farrell's getting used to his his accent obviously we know he's an Irishman and he's got a very sort of Londoner
1: accent. Vigo Mortensen as well. Yeah, like, I mean his his Brummie accent. The thing that my biggest takeaway from it was just the way in which they got them out. I just found that amazing.
0: It is amazing. Yeah, and it's true as well. True story. So is that I watched The Black Phone, believe it or not. Yes, a thriller horror uh, uh, where young boys go missing in this this area and one child who has a family members with spiritual powers gets taken by this clown with black balloons and thrown into a soundproof basement with uh, just a black phone in there which rings from time to time. I won't say anymore. It's a 15. It's quite dark. It's um, a thriller horror but it's, it's not really, really, really scary at all. And it's got Ethan Hawke and I, I, I recommend that one Dick me a little bit of some nightmares after <laughs> i actually looked under the bed
1: <laughs> i'm impressed
0: that's scary that's scary uh so so yeah and the minions the rise of grew have you seen that one
1: i haven't no i can it's, see it's actually
0: yes it's pretty good actually um it, it's very watchable it's about a 10 year old Grew desperate to join this group of villains and nasties and got the return of the acute minions, Kevin, Bob, and Otto, uh trying to, you know, free up their friend and and uh, get them get their master out of trouble. But uh yeah, another good watch. And then Elvis, I know that you really rated this uh last time. So I watched Elvis as well. Baz Luhrmann's um I don't think it's as good as as Moulin Rouge, but it's pretty credible, and I, I think we're going to see a lot more and some potentially some Oscar nominations for Austin Butler, who played Elvis, and, and Tom Hanks, who played the the Deceiving Colonel Tom Parker. Which, I to be honest, I I didn't know his his history. I didn't know about Colonel Tom Parker at all. So, who uh, was a heavy influence on the direction of his career? I did find it hilarious that women went completely crazy over elvis's shaking legs and hips <laughs> it was hilarious watching that i don't think that would happen today i'm not sure uh, harry no. style standing up there doing a similar elvis well a yeah, yeah he's, he's maybe probably, sadly, really young he's ones
1: probably the equivalent today isn't he yeah, it's kind of, it a, is. a bit like beatles mania isn't it you see all those yeah. all those kind of scenes i thought that was yeah. done so well though. <laughs>
0: Anyway, you mentioned already that's coming to the end of the summer holidays as well. And I've got a quiz for you. Uh, so it's... Here we go. I can't wait.
1: I love the yeah. quiz.
0: <laughs> so it's on being back to school. I like back it. I like the theme. Do you know what, when I went on holiday last week, I bought this pack of movie trivia questions I thought, oh yeah, great, I can use these for our podcast and everything. Got them, it was a Universal pack, it's called from Universal Studios. Oh, okay. And I opened it, and all they had was questions around Back to the Future, I believe, it was Jaws and The Breakfast Club, and I was just like... Surely they had other films (laughs) than those three. And yeah, I was I was just gobsmacked that all the questions were basically around those. So I thought, scrap that, get rid of that. I'm gonna do my own thing. You might find The Breakfast Club might be featured in this being school related. Right. So but we'll start with question one. Okay. Who is the lead actor in high school the musical who shot to fame after?
1: Oh man, I don't know these films.
0: Apparently, big Michael Jackson fan as well.
1: Oh, I know. Then I oh, I don't know. Uh, Zach Efron,
0: very good. Oh. Correct. Ting. <laughs> we should have a we should have a little sound yeah. that goes with this. In the Breakfast Club with Ali Sheedy, oh. Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Emilio Estebaz, and Brian, who was Anthony Michael Hall. Why was molly ringwald's character claire the rich sort of princessy character in detention
1: oh man we haven't done the breakfast club on this podcast no
0: but it's on my list it's kind and of you watched s- it though yeah
1: no well yeah but i don't know i a while ago um no i just say she was snogging someone
0: no let's okay. leave it there and i'll come back to that at the end Oh, okay. of the podcast so get let our really? listeners have a think about it oh, yeah okay. why not all right um obviously no calling in because we can <laughs> we don't operate in that way uh and then in john hughes ferris bueller's day off can you tell me two things ferris got up to on his day off
1: yeah he 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 took part on the parade yeah german pride
0: parade called van strupen day
1: that's right or von Struppen day Didn't they go to like a ball game or a football game? They went to a baseball game. Yeah. Baseball game. Is is that enough? How many? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Can you remember the name of the team at all? No?
1: Baseball. Oh. Um, Set
0: in Chicago, I believe.
1: Well, it was either the, the White Sox cups cubs, 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 Cubs,
0: okay. Cubs, Cubs. Yep, so very good. So that was two. You could also have had, go go for a fancy lunch at Saquiz, got a foul ball at the Cubs game, taken over German Pride Parade, and uh, they trashed also Cameron's dad's rare 1958 Ferrari GT California.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure whether that was something uh, like an activity or whether, <laughs> so I didn't say that one.
0: But they did all that, and you know, made it back home before his parents returned from work. So there you go. Uh, number four, fill in the blank. Well, this is automatic. It's systematic. It's blank. Why? It's grease lightning.
1: Oh my god! Say that again.
0: Well, this is this car is automatic. It's systematic. It's
1: oh god. Why? It's grease lightning. It's, it's automatic, it's systematic, it's... I don't know. It's... Hi, dramatic. Oh, I wouldn't know. You. I'm not good on my <laughs> grease. Oh, God damn you. You grease in your breakfast club.
0: Oh, ah, goodness. yeah, quite oldies. And um, in the film Harry Potter, we have Professor McGonagall, head of Gryffindor, <laughs> Professor Snape or Horace Slughorn, head of Slytherin, and Phileas Flittick or Flitwick uh, for Ravenclaw, do you know the head of house for Hufflepuff? <laughs>
1: Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> oh, my God. So this
0: has been the books and also the movies. The head of
1: house. Head like, of house. There'll be a
0: Professor something.
1: <sighs> no. I'm not gonna get it. Is it the Kenneth? I don't know. I don't know. I know I'm just not gonna okay. get it. So I'll go
0: back to question two and five at the end of the podcast. Let our listeners have a little stew Well no, well
1: no. Oh god. <laughs> Shall we
0: move on to our reviews for this week?
1: Let's do it. Shall we start? Yeah. Why don't we start with the newbie? Ooh.
0: Prey. So we had Prey in Dunkirk this week, didn't we? Um you'll find Prey streaming. Only on Disney Plus right now, but it's bound to be out on other on-demand channels very soon. It's rated 16 plus. I don't get these ratings at the moment. You get 15, 18, U, PG in the cinema. But then when it comes to Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and Disney Plus, you get these like 18 or very obscure uh, ratings. So 16 plus. Saying that, I don't think it deserves to be that high. I think it could, be a, could have been lower, could have been a 12. But it's direct, written and directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who... You've probably seen maybe the TV series The Boys, Black Mirror, and the film uh, Ten and Cloverfield Lane, so he's directed all those as well. Um, so very much new and up-and-coming, you know, quite a nice twist to his, his films and TVs that he's done before. This is a welcome twist from the, the masculine, macho Arnie Predator days, and instead we have um, lead as Naru, played by Amber, Mid-Thunder, uh, wanting to set aside tradition and be the lead hunter-warrior for her uh, Comanche nation tribe. you see the early footage where predators land on Earth before its victims, or prey, as you could call it. But the word prey for this film is very apt as well because it ties in nicely with the characters of the warrior hunter tribe as well. There's not really any big names in this film. Uh, there doesn't really need to be either. You just you just follow Nauru being a survivor, feeding a family or tribe, but um, she sort of overshadowed by her brother, Taby, played by Dakota Beavers, and uh, he's the lead hunter. But Naru shows that she actually has a bit more strategy and skills and that's practiced over and over. And she watches closely over her brother and warrior friends and kind of protects them as well. They protect each other, really. I mean, it's 7.2 and I'm DB. It's uh, four out of five and Empire. I liked it. It's simple. It's beautiful scenery. Rob, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, there haven't been well, there haven't really been any, I would say, successful attempts to follow up from the original film. And I like what they did with this. Like you say, it was kind of quite stripped back. I love the way they set it on the North American plains. I thought it was really refreshing to have, you know, a really strong young female character who's trying to prove herself um, with everyone doubting her. Yeah, I mean it's just another kind of cat and mouse film we it wasn't long ago that we were reviewing no country for old man obviously it's completely different but mm. you know you know what you're going to get and I think it just executes it very well. What I liked about it it had that revenant feel to me in terms of the landscape and there were so many beautiful shots, peaceful beautiful shots. It actually really did look, you know, just a really nice film to look at, and you could tell that they were almost. It's not saying say going back to to its roots because it wasn't, but it, it and this it sounds really pretentious. I can't think of any other way of saying it. But there are shots in this where quite clearly for the tribe and for Naru, the connection they have with the land with nature is really mm, important. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like you know. You know, whether it's finding certain flowers with medicinal powers that they use or obviously they're they're used to tracking and the tribe are used to hunting. You know, they're, you know, they're moving with always moving the tribe. So I think the connection that they have with nature works really well because, you know, you've then got this creature coming from a completely different planet. Threatening all that, that in itself, the way in which the predator goes about stalking them all and obviously killing them all is almost quite animalistic in itself. So I thought that kind of worked really well, just as a simple conceit. There's not a whole lot of dialogue. There's lots of moments where it just kind of breathes. And I really like that. I, I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say, though, that I necess—I I don't necessarily want to see another Predator film, though. I wouldn't go as far to say as, yes, it's kind of rebooted the series, now let's mm. have more. Mm. I, I very much saw it as a standalone film because clearly it's set there is such a thing as a timeline with Predator. Obviously, it's set before the 80s period or whatever, whatever it is with, with Arnie. Yeah, and I, and I just like the the wit and guile of, of her and and how that's not exactly a spoiler. It's down to her and Predator at the end. And it's I think it's all just, yeah, I think it's all just done really, really well. It's mm-hmm. a standalone Predator film. I enjoyed it. And there was just enough blood and guts that I think you'd want from a Predator film, without it being over the top. In actual fact, thinking about it now, it's not as gruesome yeah. as the first. The first one, there were guts, entrails hanging from trees. There's less of that. It's more brutal in the in the fight scenes. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, that's why I thought rated 16 plus was a bit, I think it was a bit high. When you look at some other films, for example, I think it could have been a 12, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And the other thing I'd like, the other thing I was going to say was the rudimentary weapons that they had, I thought was quite, again, quite refreshing. You compare it to the machine guns and what you know Arnie and the crew had. Again, it just made it a bit more, yeah, it just made it completely different and refreshing. And I enjoyed it.
0: No, I completely agree with you. And yeah, that cat and mouse and the director actually said, this is a David and Goliath story. And I completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Cool. What are you going to rate it then? I was thinking about this today. I want to start going in between halves and and whole numbers because I wasn't sure if if it was worth an eight, but I also didn't think it was maybe a 7.5. So I'm actually going to (laughs) say 7.8.
0: 7.8. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I,
1: know, I don't know if I'm allowed to do what?
0: that. i am no. just decided it's a 7.8. Oh, all right. It's closer to the 8. And, and I have given it an 8 out of 10 as well. So, oh, okay. I, I'm yeah, I'm the same par. But uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of Amber Mid-Thunder. I think um, she's only, she's done a couple of films already, but this is probably a more notable film. I think we'll see her a lot more going forward. And I think it does leave you questioning whether there's going to be a second one of these? I don't think there needs to be, but there could be one coming based on the uh, storytelling animation at the end of the film in particular. So, so look out for that. Great. So on to Dunkirk.
1: Dunkirk, yes. So this was released in 2017, written, produced and directed by Christopher Nolan. the third film written solely by him the others being two films I haven't seen, which are following, and Memento. Uh, The score is by Hans Zimmer, and it's based on Churchill's Operation Dynamo, which was the evacuation of approximately 300,000 troops uh, from Dunkirk uh, in 1940, starring Kenneth Branagh, Mark Rylance, Tom Hardy, Phil Whitehead, Barry Cohn, and amongst others, one of the young soldiers, Is a debut uh, performance from Harry Styles. Uh, I didn't realise that it picked up three Oscars. It's been a while since I delved into this. They were all for the technical aspect of it, sound editing, film editing and sound mixing. It was also nominated for another five. So it was very much a big film. I think this is what Nolan's for. I think this sums up why he's so good. I wouldn't say it had like a blockbuster feel to it, but it had a real epic quality to it. So we begin on land. It's split into three chapters: land, sea, and air. And we begin with this young soldier, Tommy, petrified, running for his life through gunfire and streets of Dunkirk. After retreating behind, you know, the Allied perimeter, he arrives on the beach amid these scenes of desperation and thousands of forlorn soldiers all lining up basically waiting to be rescued by military vessels um the only problem is is the military vessels are being bombed and they can't get boats into the shore because it's too shallow so they have to line all of these soldiers up on what's called a mole which is this long long jetty and try and get all of the men out of there and whilst they focus on that story on the beach which includes the characters of Kenneth Branagh who plays Commander Bolton and it also uh, is where we focus on that soldier Tommy played by Fionn Whitehead we've also got uh, another soldier well all of the soldiers there as I say the Harry Styles who plays one of the soldiers and a guy called George played by Barry Now. That's all taking place over one time period, which in this film is a week, when we've got the story from the sea. And of course, this operation was all about utilising all of the civilian ships in the south of England to come over and be used to help rescue the soldiers. And so that story is led by Mark Rylance's character um, with his son and a friend of his. They pick up a soldier that's stranded in the sea, played by Kitty Murphy, suffering from shell shock. That particular story is taking place over a day because that's the amount of time it would actually, you know, realistically take to get there and back. And then the other story is from The Air, which is led by a squadron of Spitfires, um, and that's Tom Hardy's character. and that takes place in the time frame of an hour because typically they would have had about 45 minutes to an hour's worth of fuel to get over to Dunkirk and get back. So it was the Spitfire's job to see off these recurring flights by the German Luftwaffe dropping the bombs to try and enable all of these uh, soldiers to get rescued. So that's the story. Yeah, that's. I'll I'll leave it at that. I'll come back and tell you what I thought about it afterwards. So, what did you think, Sarah?
0: Yeah, thanks, Rob. So, a very different film. I feel for Christopher Nolan, uh, as you already mentioned, directed and written by him. He's done Interstellar, Inception, Tenant, The Prestige, Dark Night movies. You know, Batman, etc. And they're all pretty dark and sci-fi kind of films. Whereas this is is a true reflection on what happened on land, sea and air uh, when the German forces were surrounding British and French allied forces uh, on a beach in France, close to the Belgian border called Dunkirk. Um, What was interesting is that when I read an IMDb, and you can get quite a lot of factoids on IMDb, from the 30 Dunkirk survivors attending the premiere in in 2017, uh, all of them were pretty much in their mid to late 90s. They'd all said that This accurately captured the events that happened from the 26th of May to the 4th of June in um, 1940. However, yes, we kind of covered a much shorter period of time there. But um, these things actually happened, which is quite kind of gets your hair standing on your arms kind of uh, reflection on on that. And 333,000 Allied troops were rescued, but 16,000 French and 1,000 British soldiers died during the evacuation, which is an incredible amount. And as you already said, it was nicknamed Operation Dynamo, but Winston Churchill at the time said this is a miracle of deliverance because they were able to, hopefully, I'm not giving too much away because it's history, but obviously that, that number of fleed Dunkirk. Now, you find in this film that Tommy and many of his other soldiers were pretty inexperienced soldiers. It showed right at the start, Tommy being chased by gun German gunfire, and he found a gun from, from a dead British soldier that literally just died in front of him, and he picked it up and didn't really know how to get it going or how to shoot properly. He was just shooting willy-nilly, and it, it wasn't making much impact at all. So you just could see that sort of, how junior and young innocent they were, as well, uh you have French soldiers taking British army uniform to appear British so they could get off the beach faster because they they felt that the Brits were being picked up um, sooner than the you know the the uh, the allies as soon as they get on a boat or thought they would had found their way out, it gets shot down or it gets bombed but tommy i I guess he made about four or five attempts to get off Dunkirk, which was' which is incredible. there are over. 6,000 extras employed for this film, and in one scene, a crane, a spitfire, and 1,500 extras were used to recreate the evacuation um, of the Allied soldiers, which is is, is amazing. But they also used cut-out soldiers and cut-out trucks to give the illusion of a bigger crowd as well, which you can see on, on the screen. I, I know they wanted to reduce the CGI, so they tried to make it as, as realistic as possible in this film. The music, you've already mentioned Hans Zimmer, Score I found really screechy and eerie and disturbing, and can give me a bit of fear watching it as well. And I mean, Hans Zimmer's he's he's done a lot with Christopher Nolan films already, but he you know, he's won Oscars for The Lion King, he's done The Gladiator, Last Samurai. Pirates of the Caribbean as well, as well as, as, as I mentioned, Nolan's films, Dark Knight, Inception and Interstellar. But he also won more recently for Dune as well. But the music is quite eerie. There's not much many words that are said in this film, I would say. And the music just sort of says it all. And I find it a little bit disturbing. You already mentioned some of the great actors, uh, Rob. And, yeah, Harry Styles' first debut film, really. He does it quite well. He comes across very natural with his character. It's almost like it's him, but, in you know, 1940s uh, in some respects but also it's not someone you can trust in that in that unit of of soldiers as well he's he's they're all quite selfish in some respects trying to get off the of Dunkirk However, they were just trying to survive, I guess, at the same time. So I guess you had kind of have to be. I mean, since this, he's done The Eternals and coming up very soon with, with a new film called Don't Worry Darling with Florence Pugh, which I'm really looking forward to seeing in towards the end of September time. And then he's got My Policeman in November. So he's maybe homed his focus now, maybe films rather than than songs, because he's he kind of goes in in and out really. And he's a pretty credible actor as well. But there are a few goofs in the film. Um Railway at the end, uh, the, the, the chairs were styled in 1980s design where it's not in 1940s. This has been very picky here. And um, Those cones on the German planes um, wouldn't featured there until later 1940s. Nolan says he did this on purpose simply because he wanted to show the difference between the British planes and the German planes. But there are a few modern items that you could see in the background as well, like cranes. You have to re- look really carefully. Cranes, road signs in the background, um, Um, on occasions as well. I didn't realise also that Christopher Nolan's uncle features in a few of his films, a bit like Stan Lee in in the Marvel films, And, and in this one, John Nolan played the blind man at the end. They had did focus on that person for you know a couple of seconds maybe. Uh, so I was kind of thinking, well, is that somebody we should know, or you know, um, is it somebody from from those days? I, I have no idea. But it, you know, obviously the very elderly people these days that were in the war at that time. Twelve of the little ships that participated in the Dunkirk evacuation appeared in the movie as well. It was trying to get it as close to what it was. And as I said, the soldiers that were there in, were there on Dunkirk actually says it's pretty close to how it was. So, um, yeah, I mean, just talking about it like that it does does make the hairs on my arms stand up a little bit, It gives me a little shiver. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's great that they're producing films for this new generation or next generation about wars, about the um, World War II, World War One, et cetera, because we shouldn't forget. With Some of the older films that have been created, you know, 20 30 years ago, I think you won't get the youngsters watching those. I think they need to keep rolling out these films and educating what people fought for and how it could be so different today if it wasn't for those, um, those in the navy, ref, and uh, soldiers in the army as well back in those days. I'll hand it back over to you, Rob, if you've got anything else to add.
1: I really enjoyed it, I like the way that at times it almost felt like a documentary. Like you say, there was very little dialogue, especially the scenes with Tom Hardy in the cockpit of the Spitfire. But I think the most striking thing for me was that it just looked beautiful, which, which seems a strange thing to say for a, a war film and given the subject. And of course, there are some really difficult scenes to watch, especially when you've got all of these soldiers who, They who, and they really are just sitting ducks you hear the whirring sound of the bombers and they all just look up. There's there's literally nothing they can do. They just have to hope. And when they pull in on the faces of these, from the commander down to the young soldiers, you, you, like them, are just like, oh my God, it's almost like this ticking down to when the bomb's going to hit and are they going to survive? And you see that happen quite a few times. And each time, along with that sound, that score that goes along with it, I to say, and, and there are also other scenes that are difficult to watch, but... Yeah, strangely, it just looks epic and beautiful. Mm. And I think that's what I love about Nolan. He seems to be able to do this. He, he said he wanted to achieve a film which felt like virtual reality without the goggles. And I didn't see this in IMAX. It was filmed in IMAX. And I can totally in some ways I wish I wish I had seen it or could see it in IMAX because yeah, it's just <laughs> there really isn't, you know, there is no C, CGI. It, it's just what you see is what you get all the way down to the, the scene when the spitfire towards the end has to fly down and land on a beach. You know, that, that all happened, and they had to try and get the spitfire out of the sand because it got stuck and the tide was coming in. You know, they used... And just, just the level of detail, I loved the way he intertwined the three stories because they felt almost completely separate. But, of course, they were all... Of course, they all overlapped, and it was really clever because you would occasionally see how the two stories crossed, but you... Hadn't yet got to that point in one of the other person's stories. So yep. it's like when it happened, you thought, oh, yeah, now that all makes sense. And so it wasn't that the interweaving of the different narratives across three different time zones makes that sound complicated, but it's not. It it mm. just kind of works.
0: Yeah. It's a bit Um, like um, the film, that's a completely different film, but like Love Actually, how they all sort of intertwine some of the lead characters in different circumstances uh, happen to, to overlap. Yeah, really clever way of doing it.
1: Yeah. And so so I think that's my biggest takeaway. The subject, obviously, it's a part of history that people know, but to actually now see it on screen and Mm. depicted in this way, in such an engaging way, it was fascinating, obviously, to watch and learn a bit more about it. But again, it's just Nolan just showing off what he can do. With with a subject which otherwise could seem you know could be filmed in a way in which is a bit more formulaic I suppose yeah um, yeah I like the fact that he threw in a lot of young actors to reflect you know these young soldiers who like you know so many times we see them in situations where they course they've never been in before and the, the looks on their faces and the desperation and what that drives them to individually is really powerful I thought yeah that whole Mark Rylance storyline with, with his son and and friend and, and Kenyon Murphy Paul's done lots of stuff and I read this the seventh movie between Christopher Nolan and Michael Kane I was thinking really um apparently he appeared in an uncredited voice cameo as the Royal Air Force flight leader. which oh, did you, he? Which I obviously would that. just come yeah. and go. You know, you don't pick up yeah. on that, which I thought was quite interesting because obviously, you know, Nolan does like to work with these actors, doesn't he? The only, only flaw for me was there was a line or a couple of lines from Kenneth Branagh playing this commander, you know, very kind of stiff upper lip, beaming with British Pride, character, who stays there to the bitter end. Yeah, everyone's off. There's there's just that line where he says, "You know what that is? It's home, or it smells like home, or something." Mm. There was just some line, but yeah, it wasn't like really cheesy. But it's one of those lines where it's says, Oh, I didn't need to do that. Everything was perfect. Um, but I mean this is a really <laughs> minor, this is a really, really minor point. So I yeah, I I I really liked it. I really liked it. I think it's actually quite a unique film, really, in a lot of respects. And yep. yeah, I'd encourage everyone to watch it.
0: The great thing also, it's only about an hour and a half. You get a yes. lot of war films that are about two and a half hours, and they go on. And there's another t- well. Sometimes it's, you learn something new, and whereas this sort of it was quite fairly fast paced, actually, and yeah, it was. I'm, I was pleased that it wasn't such a long film. Um, you know what I'm like, and and same with Prey. That was the sim- yeah. similar length as well. So I'm going to give this just for being clever and the detail. The acting was all very good. Great stars, great cinematography. I think it has to be a nine out of ten for me.
1: I'm gonna go nine and a half out of ten. Cause uh, uh
0: not nine point eight.
1: Not nine point eight, no. I don't know that that sounds ridiculous, but that point five, no, it's, this is gonna sound ridiculous. That point yeah. five was just the parts of the Kenneth Brown. Yeah, character. yeah.
0: Um
1: no, it's very, very good. Very good.
0: So the next film we've got is Fall. The reason this was chosen is because I think there's quite a lot of the big blockbusters that have come out now over the summer. We've watched those. I'm sure many of you have watched those as well. And uh, this one is a little bit of a thriller and it's all about heights and falling from a, I think it's from a mast of some sort could be a potential, but it's, it's out on the uh, 2nd of September in cinemas. And Rob, do you have the synopsis?
1: It's very short, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Best friends, Becky and Hunter, find themselves at the top of a 2,000-foot radio tower. There's Ah. no more, there's there's nothing else. So, you know, uh, we both know no more than that. Sometimes (laughs) it's quite nice to watch a film that's not necessarily a big film, especially when you Mm. know as little about it as that. I
0: hope it's not a moonfall,
1: though. It can't remember it,
0: Moonfall. Yeah, that was cool. how can I forget Moonfall? There, there we can't, didn't have there was not much of a write up on that either.
1: There simply can't uh, be another Moonfall, there, there can't be another film as just ridiculous as Moonfall. Well, I, Fall I, I is in
0: the title, so we'll see. So, yeah, we'll see.
1: <laughs> it's, only an hour, it's only an hour and 47, which again, yeah. hour and, that's not bad, is it? Anywhere between us, an no, oh, that's No, it's good. It's pretty good, isn't it?
0: All good. Yep, yeah, yep. Right. And you're choosing from my list this time.
1: So there are three genres left: crime, war, and animation. And the genre is animation.
0: Animation. Okay. So I have I have sixteen animations.
1: Number seven, please, Sarah.
0: Number seven is Spider-Man Into Spider-Verse. Oh, it's a belter. Mm.
1: <laughs> I love. this I've film. seen it
0: once before. I can't. I, I. I. It's on my list because it was so different but I actually can't remember most of it. So it's actually going to be fresh for me as well. A refresher. I
1: absolutely absolutely love this film. Um, So, yeah, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is from 2018. Teen Miles Morales becomes the Spider-Man of his universe and must join with five spider-powered individuals from other dimensions to stop a threat for all realities. Uh, I watched this with my son and he loved it. It's got a very cool soundtrack and the animation as you say is it's just it's just very cool
0: yeah so you can it's currently streaming on amazon prime and virgin go and you can rent or buy it from most other on-demand channels
1: good stuff i think there's a there's definitely there's a second spider verse film i think coming out next year i believe i think so yeah we've got some unfinished business haven't we
0: Oh, we have. You're right. Well, we're reminded. <laughs> we can't leave our listeners hanging oh, there. Oh, I know.
1: You nearly did.
0: I nearly did. So, question two. In The Breakfast Club, with Ali Sheedy, Judge Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Emilio Estevez, and Anthony Michael Hall, why was Claire, the rich girl or princess, in detention?
1: I, well, I said snogging. It's not that. It's a it's stupid It's not
0: that. But she no. did have a little snog in it. But no, it's well, not that. Skipping school to go shopping. What oh, I, sh-
1: I should have said, I should have just said taking a sickie. That would have covered it. Oh.
0: <laughs> and then we have um, the last question was uh, we have Professor McGonagall, head of Gryffindor, Professor Snape or Horace Slughorn, head of Slytherin and Phineas Flittick, or Flitwick,
1: I mean, and it's just the ridiculous. Head of I mean, how am I supposed to know this stuff? Come on, you're I'm a Harry Potter already. fan.
0: Come on, there's many Harry Potter fans yeah, out I know. there. Well, some they're of probably them screaming know. at you right now as they're listening. Uh, who is the head of the house of Hufflepuff? No, no, Professor Pomona Sprout.
1: Of course. I mean, <laughs> of course it is,
0: <laughs> Professor Sprout. Say so, yes.
1: Who so plays, I look forward who, to your who, quiz who?
0: next week, Rob.
1: I know. I've got to think.
0: I'm not quite nervous. So what did I? What did I score? So you got one, two, two out of five because oh, you didn't get the grease lightning one, did you? Seriously,
1: that's bad.
0: No, it's fine. No, they're it's not, not easy. Yeah, they're not enough. easy questions. So uh, I'm intrigued to know what you're going to cover next. Not week. good enough.
1: Mine are going to be really hard next time. Just saying, I'm disappointed oh, myself there. Like you've <laughs> got to get three. I think is is what you've got to aim for, and I think above that. This bonus mm-hmm. time, <laughs> two. I can't believe I got two. A yeah, shocker. but
0: they were hard, and there's some of some really old. There were those. There were those
1: films. Big films. Yeah, they're big films, but I just don't. I don't love them enough to know all the stuff. Mm. I mean, Harry Potter's definitely one of those. Greece is definitely another one. If you had chosen Dirty Dancing, that would be another one like that that I've watched, but I wouldn't. You know, know the detail. I'm going to get Dirty
0: dancing back. is not a forte either of mine.
1: Isn't <laughs> so. it? That's going in the quiz next time then.
0: <laughs> Thanks. I bet a what on dirty dancing. And uh, there's a link there with dirty dancing and Ferris Bueller's day off.
1: Yes. It's um, someone. Is it Gray? Uh, Jennifer Gray? Jennifer, that's right. Yeah. Do I get, hang on. Does that, does that mean, hang hey, was that another yeah, question? Yeah, go on. Then. Does that bump me that's up? Th- three, out <laughs> three out of six. Three out of six. <laughs> it's still not good enough. <laughs> 50%
0: Well it's 50% it's better It is 50% than, You
1: know, Yeah Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. <laughs> Anyway um, Enjoy your Sunday evening And uh, we'll be back uh, Next time
1: Lovely stuff new, new
0: films Yeah
1: Cheers Rob Bye
0: Bye Bye listeners Bye, Bye.